Welcome to Advice with Miss B, the podcast where you'll find the advice you didn't know you needed. Join me as we dive into everyday topics from taxes to laundry and everything in between. Whether you're a high school student, college student, a young professional starting out in the workforce, or just anyone really, I aim to equip you with knowledge and insights that will make your journey through adulthood easier and more enjoyable. So this is Advice with Miss B, and let's get this learning going. So many of my conversations that I used to have with my students in my classroom came from events of the weekend or the night before, you know, something that happened in somebody else's weekend plans or something that happened in my weekend plans. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to talk about this week, but something happened this weekend and I decided today that that is what this week's podcast is about. So this episode is entitled Don't Be Stupid because it's about not being stupid, downright stupid, okay? So this weekend, I, for some weird reason, Sunday night could not fall asleep. Nobody in my house could seem to sleep. Our toddler couldn't sleep. My husband couldn't sleep. Nobody was falling asleep. We tried everything, absolutely everything. And it was weird because at 11 something at night, somebody was calling me. Now, anybody who knows me knows that like, once I go to bed, I don't answer my phone. I don't answer my text messages, nothing unless I wake up. So my phone will not wake me up, right? It's always on vibrate type of thing. Um, and it was my neighbor calling. We just moved in a, a couple months ago and the neighbor's been really cool, really nice. And we're the only ones with little kids on the street. But the neighbor was calling me at 11 something on a Sunday night. And I was like, that's, that's weird. I should probably answer this. Like, I hope nothing's wrong. Like, I hope our house isn't on fire or something like that. So I answered and no, they are out of town, which I come to find out is actually out of the country. They're on a vacation real quick. Um, and their son, who's 22, 23, something like that, has had a party. And they are not happy about it. He lives at home with them. It's their house, though. Nice house. Wouldn't want it messed up either. And he's had a party. And they've already busted him for it, but now they can't get a hold of him. And so her concern is, you know, like he usually has a friend over. They usually drink a little bit of drinks and, you know, whatever, hang out. But there were way more people there and people that they don't know. And so they were really concerned that maybe somebody brought something else they weren't supposed to. Maybe it wasn't just alcohol. And now they couldn't get a hold of their son. And they were really just afraid for his life. So they wanted me to go over and make sure he was okay. So I said I would because I'm a mom. I hope I never have to experience that fear of being somewhere else and my child possibly being in danger. And so I got up and I went outside. And the first thing that happened is up the street, there are three vehicles with a bunch of kids running around them, all running lights on and kids yelling and banging on the doors and windows. And all I hear is somebody yell, you shouldn't be driving. So I'm like, okay, this is a little bit more pressing than checking on the neighbor's house who's dark and quiet. So I go up the street and they see me coming. And of course I'm an adult walking up the street. And so they start to panic a little bit and I hear, you know, them talking and I was like, who shouldn't be driving? And a kid points to this kid in this little small vehicle. And I look in like the side window windshield at him and he is out of it. He is wasted, if not on other things also. And he's in the driver's seat and he has a truck running. It's a little small SUV truck thing. And there's a girl in the passenger seat and the doors are locked. And he and she 
won't open the doors or anything. And the two other vehicles have him kind of blocked in so he can't go anywhere. And these kids are trying to get him to not drive because they all recognize that he is too drunk. And me showing up kind of got them all scared. And so they kind of started to scatter back into the vehicles and stuff as I'm trying to like figure out what the heck is still going on. And then next thing I know, they all jumped in their vehicles and took off. And that allowed this kid to then be able to drive. And I almost stepped in front of him, but I knew that he was so far gone that his reaction time, he probably would not have seen me. And the last thing that needs to happen is me being flat on the road with nobody knowing that I was even outside except my husband because he was still awake too. So then I walked down the street and there was another car with a couple people outside in the dark, no lights on or anything, talking. And so I was like, hey, are you from this party here? And they're like, oh no, we were over at another house. Nice way to cover for your friend. I already know that he had a party. And um, I was like, do you all have a ride home? Like, That is my number one concern. Are you okay? And do you have a way to get home? And they were like, yeah, we're waiting on so-and-so's mom. And I was like, okay, like, what about you? And she's like, I live just around the corner. I haven't been drinking. I'll be okay. And I was like, okay. I just want to make sure everybody's fine and safe. And they did get picked up. And I think the girl ended up getting a ride because her car was still there in the morning. Um. And then I went and checked on the kid and everything was fine. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm busted. My parents, I, my mom is just worried. My dad is furious. And it really got me thinking of the number of kids and then like young adults and even older adults who go out and drink and get drunk. Like, I get it and I don't get it. I'm just not one of those people who ever really did that a ton? Did I ever go out and get drunk? Yes. Do I enjoy it? Not really. I don't know. I'm just weird like that. But like, I, I know I've taught a bunch of students who have gone out and partied and things like that. And I, I am concerned for the number of people who I think could possibly be driving drunk. Okay. So number one, don't be stupid. Don't do it. Okay. Um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, I did some Googling, right, of course, because I'm a science teacher, so I need some data. They estimate that 30 people, 37 people, sorry, 37 people a day drive in drunk driving accidents. They don't have to be the ones drinking or the ones driving either. They don't even have to be the ones in the car. Just so, like, keep that in mind. You could have nothing to do with the party at all whatsoever and still be a victim of a drunk driving accident. In 2021, they don't have any updated information for 2022 on their website yet, but 2021, it said 13,384 people died in the United States from drunk driving. Like, well, drunk driving related accidents, alcohol related accidents, I think is what they used as a term. And you're like, okay, but that was 2021. That's, you know, probably the highest year or whatever. They averaged a decade worth of data. So 2012 to 2021. And about 10,850 people died each year from alcohol consumption-related accidents. Like, that's 10,000 people a year from this problem. Okay? Anyways. They have a cute little table. It's not very little. It's actually pretty long. Of, like, your bread alcohol level. So whenever you drink alcohol, it goes in your stomach. Your body then absorbs it as it does food and nutrients and all that good stuff through the lining of your stomach and your small intestine. And it enters into your bloodstream. There it goes into your liver and your liver then processes it. 
and as it processes it, it's metabolizing it essentially because alcohols are made from sugars and all this other stuff. And there's a whole biology lesson about macromolecules in there and chemistry structures and all that good stuff. But it breaks it down in your liver. And then from there, your body can then dispose of the waste. Which is why if you have problems drinking, your liver is the first thing to really feel that stress because it's having to do a ton of work to get that alcohol out of your blood. If it's in your blood and too much is in there for too long, you can get alcohol poisoning. It can start to affect other organs and all this other stuff. And that's that's a problem. Okay, just saying that's a problem. So um, <clears throat> interesting fact, I read about a study or a couple studies about like being pregnant and drinking and breastfeeding and drinking. And it talks about like, if you're feeling drunk, your blood alcohol level is high enough for that to happen. Like if you're drinking in an amount to where your body can metabolize it, your liver can process it fast enough, then you won't ever feel that buzz. You won't really be drunk type of thing. Um, so if you're at that level during pregnancy and drinking, they say it's okay. They reference a bunch of studies in Europe because Europeans tend to drink with meals. They don't drink to get wasted and drunk type of thing. Um, but in the United States, most of our studies that back it up also relate to other substances and it's like a self-reported thing. So yeah, anyways, take that as you can go research your own stuff on that one. But, um, so your, your metabolism, like not your metabolism, but your liver and how fast your liver can process it will determine how much blood alcohol level you have from drinking. It also, you know, is based on how much alcohol you put in your system in the first place. So this table that I'm going back to now from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration um, has like your blood alcohol level and then like what, how it affects you as an individual and how it can affect your driving. And the very first level of blood alcohol level, so like the barely readable blood alcohol level the very first thing it does is loss of judgment. Like you lose your sense of judgment, people, which is why people tend to drink, okay? To like give up that stress and things like that. Like the people that I know that went out and partied and drank a lot wanted to not care about so many things in that moment and be more free. Did it work? Maybe in the moment afterwards, they tended to have a lot of regrets. Um, so it impairs your judgment first thing right off the bat. If it didn't, you probably wouldn't do it. Okay. Um, that loss of judgment, it also relaxes you. It makes you feel warm sometimes and it decreases your ability to multitask. So texting and drunk driving, definitely a no. Okay. Um, I can tell you from experience trying to like pay a bill at a bar tab and have a conversation with somebody after you've had a couple can be a challenge. Just saying. Okay. So you're driving, you have loss of muscle control. So your eyes are controlled by muscles. I don't know if you know that or not. Whenever you look at something and you focus, you have these little fine muscles actually controlling the shape of your eyeball. So if you have loss of muscle control, you can't focus your eyes as easily or as quickly. So you can't see things. So you can't see other cars. You can't see people crossing the street. You can't see stop signs, that kind of stuff as easily as you could before. You also have reduced coordination, which if you've ever tried to steer one-handed in a vehicle around a curve, like slight curve, okay. But like if you're trying to make a 90 degree turn, it can be chaos, okay? I've handed things to a child in the backseat before one-handed trying to make a turn 
it's better to just stop handing things to the child. But so it takes coordination to do driving. Okay. Also like the brakes and gas and steering and all of that takes coordination. So all of this combined drops your response time. So if, if I were to have stepped out in front of that kid, I could recognize already as myself that he was too far gone, that his response time was not going to be quick. If he had already put his foot on that gas pedal, his response time to seeing me in front of the vehicle and taking his foot off the gas and pushing it on the brake hard enough to stop himself from hitting me would not have been fast enough. Okay. So as you get more and more alcohol in your system, it just gets worse and worse. Like you have memory loss, you have um, extreme coordination issues. That's where the slurred speech comes in. You have like, that's both loss of muscle control and coordination. It's hard to talk, all that stuff. And people know, just so you know, like, I don't know how many times kids have come to my class and they're like, Miss B, but how did you know? We know. Teachers know. Your coworkers know. Your boss knows. People in your house know that you are under the influence of a substance, whether it's a drinking or something else. We know. Okay. I don't know the number of kids that have come to my class high. And sometimes I let it ride and other times I know it's not them. It's something unusual and they're using a substance as an escape from something that they probably should face because it's only going to get worse. But like people know it's really easy to tell if you've been drinking your eyes. Like I said, the focus goes first. You'll, you'll see people really start to struggle to focus on things. Anyways, so how can you prevent this? Number one, plan ahead. If you're going somewhere and you know there's going to be alcohol, have a ride option, okay? At least have a backup plan in your head. Your judgment is affected first. So you may think that you're good even when you're not and just plan ahead and avoid it. Have a DD, okay? I don't know how many adults I've heard that are so excited when their kids get to driving age because now their kid gets to wait up for them to call so that way their kid can come pick them up because now they have a DD, which is kind of hilarious. Not if you're the kid, but um, the other thing is if you're a DD, make sure you are not drinking, not even just one. Like, no, you never know when something might happen and somebody needs to leave early. Like, just don't, okay? Just don't. Some bars even have deals for DDs. So I know back in the day when I was living near a big college town, they used to advertise on the radio that if you were a designated driver, you got like all the free soft drinks you wanted all night long. So like you never had to pay for a non-alcoholic beverage. It was pretty cool. Um, they made enough money off of all the alcohol that it covered your tab. It was fine. But plan ahead. Make sure you have have a plan. For sure before you start drinking have that plan in place and have a backup plan just in case if suddenly like you're in a position where you're like oh shoot I didn't plan on this at all I didn't know I would be drinking I didn't know everybody else would be drinking I didn't know like whatever you do do not drive 1000% do not drive okay most times I hear people say well yeah but you know it's just me in the car it's it's just me it's not just you it could very well be the person almost stepping in front of you to save your life. It could be um, a person on their bike riding home. It could be a person who is playing out in their yard. It could be a person walking down the street. It could even be somebody in the 7-Eleven 
shopping at the store because I don't know how many times I've seen videos of cars going through the stores, going through the fast food place. It's not just you. When you get behind the wheel impaired by any substance, you are not just taking your own life in your hands. It's everybody else's too. On the flip side, parents often say, you know, it's not that I don't trust you driving in a car. It's everybody else. It's true. It's everybody else. I hate going out for New Year's because I never know how many other people are drunk in their cars. And that scares me because I don't want to be a part of it. I just don't. I'd rather not have to deal with a car accident. I'd rather not have to deal with somebody being injured, dead, or anything of that sort. Don't want to deal with it. So I just don't go out. But, um, yeah, don't drive. Call someone. Okay. There's Uber. There's taxis. I know it's kind of weird, but if you Google a taxi company, big towns still have them. Little towns even sometimes still have them. Call somebody. Okay. Go through your phone. Who lives nearby? Start calling people. I have gotten the call from people before of like, hey, I know we haven't talked in like months, but I'm drunk and I need a ride. Can you come get me? And sometimes they find a ride that's closer or somebody else recalls them back that's easier to get to them. And other times I have I have driven the 45 minutes one way to go pick somebody up because they were drunk and brought them home. Okay. Um, make sure you don't let others drive drunk. So plan ahead if you're like, oh, we're going out, we're drinking, and I know that everybody's going to be drinking and I'm not driving or, you know, this, that, or the other. So like sometimes you have to kind of have a plan of what are you going to do if somebody else plans on driving? So you could, if you're going to be DD, you could offer to drive your vehicle and take them with. So you can just volunteer to be DD. You don't even have to necessarily say it. Just do it type of thing. Like, oh, hey, why don't I come pick you up and we'll drive together. We'll take my car kind of thing and put yourself in that DD position even if they don't ask you to. Or find somebody else that will be a DD or be like, hey, you know, I have a friend who's going to get off work at 10 o'clock and they're going to come pick us up. Is that cool? Type of thing. Okay. Definitely do not ride with somebody who's drunk. I know people have told me like, oh no, if I'm in the car, I can make sure they stay awake. It's not just about staying awake. Or like if I'm in the car, I can keep them on the road. No. Your reaction time is already pretty slow. Even if you're sober, you still, humans have a slow reaction time your reaction time on the other side of the car to try and grab a steering wheel is even slower or even worse. And then the risk of overcorrecting and startling the person and all sorts of things like, no, it's not going to work. I hate to tell you, but it doesn't work. Okay. So don't, don't ride with somebody who's been drinking. Refuse, refuse to let them have their own keys, take their keys. Okay. If you're hosting a party, it's also part of your responsibility to make sure that people are not leaving your party drunk. Do not let them drink and drive. Take their keys. Have somebody be a designated shuttle driver for the night that could take people back home or whatnot. Like, don't, don't be the person responsible for allowing another person to cause injury to themselves or others. Like, don't. Just don't. You don't need that on your conscience. And yeah, be smart. Don't be stupid. Okay. Then the other thing that I, I should have done, and I didn't think of it at the time, but what I should have done is I should have called the cops. Not on the party next door. I didn't even know it was happening until it was already over and mom called me type of thing. But I should have called the cops when that kid left in the truck. And I knew that he was so drunk that he should not have been driving. Not to get him in trouble, but to get him off the road. 
for the safety of himself, for the safety of the girl in the passenger seat, and for the safety of everybody else on those roads, I should have called the cops on him. Had he stayed and like, I probably would have even offered to give him a ride home because it's that stupid to drive drunk. Okay. Now, the other thing is like, I know a lot of kids, underage drinkers, living at home with mom and dad, don't know what else to do because the only person they can think of to call is their parents. And they don't want to call their parents because they don't want to get in trouble. I would say 98% of the parents that I have met would probably be upset finding out that their kid was drunk at a party when they shouldn't have been. I know 100% of parents would prefer to not bury their child and would not want their kid to live with the guilt of having injured somebody else. Okay? 1,000%. Will they be upset? Probably. Will they react right away? I don't know. Do they have a right to react? Possibly. I mean, they, I, me as a mom, I worked hard to build that child and keep that child alive. I would be very upset if they put themselves in harm's way. Um, like, your parent cares about you and wants, hopefully, wants what's best for you. So, like, will they be upset? Yes. Will it be the end of the world? No. Okay. It might take time to calm down and things of that nature, but, like, yeah. Just don't be stupid, okay? Now, I gave you all this data and stuff and information about alcohol-related driving stuff. Um, this does go for almost any substance, though. How do I know that? Well, because most people take substances to party or to escape or whatever the reason. It generally is to stop thinking about what they're thinking about and stop worrying about what they usually worry about. So like people tend to drink at a bar because they want to meet people and they're scared of talking to strangers and trying to introduce themselves and things like that. It like every substance that's ever used for recreational purposes, number one, decreases your judgment. Your ability to make good sound decisions drops. And so it can impair your driving because number one, you have to constantly be making decisions on the road. The second thing that usually goes with any substance is going to be your muscle control, your fine motor skills, all that good stuff. And those are all important for driving. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it's just alcohol or another substance, like don't drive impaired. Okay. And the other thing is side note, people know, Okay, the other day I went to King Supers, and it's a grocery store, and I saw a lady signal to somebody inside, like, hold on one minute, and then step into the corner and snort something up her nose, and then proceeded to walk into the store where her child, who was probably about 10 years old, was waiting for her. That kid knows. You don't have to hide in a corner. That kid knows. Like, your kids know, your teachers know, your classmates know, your coworkers know. The people in your house know, they know, you're not hiding it. Like, I hate to tell you that, but they know. Um, the number of students that come to my class high is astounding. And many of the ones that are major offenders I have had conversations with, and hopefully they remember those conversations. Um, but yeah, your judgment is impaired and people know, okay? 
that is the end of today's episode. As always, make sure you please like and subscribe to my podcast. Follow me on the Instagram at buzzgoesbee. And feel free to always reach out with anything that you would like advice on or any topic that you'd like to learn more about. Just send me a message and see you next time.